I don't know that anybody could deny God having had an active role in the, in the sequencing of it all. I, uh, I was here for 18 months. I, I had willingness kind of had to build over that time, but I was exposed to people and tools and learning uh, a true relationship with God. Thank you for tuning in to the Rescue Mission Podcast, where we discuss real topics that affect real people. This is your host, Jay Evans, and I've got my co-host, Blake, with me today. Hello. We're excited to have an old friend with us, Dave Lalo. He and I have met for the first time today, so I'm excited about this, because a lot of times with podcast interviews, you know, I've, I've done a little bit of my research and into people and things like that, and I'm kind of coming into this one, typically like you would come into a normal conversation with somebody where we're just getting to know each other, getting to know your story. Um, so, Dave. Who in the world are you? Just a guy, um, <laughs> a, a blessed guy. I, I uh, you know, I, I had a past that brought me to the the old rescue mission and um, the old building. We're the same rescue mission, the same mission, old building. I, mm-hmm. um, but I, I, you know, I, I have a life now. Yeah. When were you here at the rescue mission? Two thousand and August of twenty sixteen until. Early, maybe February, March 18. And it always amazes me. All of you guys can almost remember the exact date. Sometimes people can even have it to like the hour they arrived because mm-hmm. it was so impactful beginning as well as when, when they commence or when they're uh, ending their time here. And it, it's always amazing to me that it's just so impactful that you're like, yep, those were the dates. August I remember 16th. It See, I knew you'd be able to pull it out the <laughs> second that I started talking about it. That's great. So tell us about just... Who you are, Dave? What you went through? Give us, give us a little bit of your backstory. I, uh, I, I had a, a seemingly normal childhood, um, private school, Catholic school. Um, I, early on, I didn't fit the the same mold as a lot of my peers, and uh, pretty much earlier than most people, I got into looking for something, uh, and you know, drinking was in grade school, drugs grade school you know it spiraled early and then in high school was the oxycontin generation so that uh that was when it became crippling that but i still actually had some you know good jobs and went to college for seven years almost i have a degree almost had a second degree well seven years i would hope so (laughs) (laughs) and i uh uh Eventually, I started using needles probably when I was early 20s, and that uh, that spiraled me out. I, you know, that's unsustainable, mm. unmanageable at, by definition. So I uh, went through, you know, burnt bridges, had girlfriends, had family, had my own places, different levels of income within the drug world, different... Uh, sources of income and but it just kept it compounds it just kept getting worse it just mm-hmm. became more more and more dysfunctional every day so the last couple years out there i i ended up i spent a lot of it in jail uh, i was homeless and so they would uh they they don't give you the probation or anything after a point and I, there was a summer i had I don't know, three PIs 
Oh man. And so they, they, you know, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, 180 days executed because you're indigent. They call you. So that was, I was never under any illusion from a very young age that I had addiction problems. I was an alcoholic. I was whatever it was. Most of the time it was opiates addict. <clears throat> so I, uh, I, I didn't have any trouble accepting that diagnosis. I had trouble accepting that I'd have to stop doing mm. those things. That had become, I'd say beyond my escape, it had become my identity. Mm. I, I didn't goals every year become more and more minimal or, or, or violatable. I, I, I didn't even, you know, when you're injecting drugs, you, you know, I, I, there was no bar. Yeah. And so every, every time things got worse, I, uh, I, it's not acceptance, but you, you just, there you are. Yeah. And so, I had been in and out of some, uh, like treatments, court ordered, non court ordered. I had some clean times of a few months, maybe a year at some point, but I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. I, I don't know if I had the willingness to get out of it. Mm-hmm. I didn't want it to get worse. Nobody does, but, um, it wasn't until, uh, 2016. I had went into drug court the year before for some felony drug charges. And uh, the, I think I made it four months. I had no willingness still. And uh, when they violated me, I went to the Allen County Jail for four and a half months that time. And uh, sometime in there, I spent a lot of time talking to God. But all I ever used to know about talking to God was pretty much asking it to stop hurting pretty, pretty much an ask without an offering. I'd offer all the time. We'll never do it again, but I always did. But sometime in there, I had a little bit of a transformation in terms of willingness. I, I realized though I couldn't see life without my escapism tools. It it wasn't, I was going to die. I mean, the overdoses were fentanyl was coming around uh, heavily and, wasn't going to make it, so that's uh, 2016, August 16th when I got out. I had been under some pressure to come here, and having been sleeping in the parking garage prior to that, I didn't have a whole lot of option, but that's when I came here, and my, my journey here started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's, and that's kind of what we always like to touch on, too, kind of Tell us about your journey here and even kind of what led to the life that you have now with, with your wife and, and where you guys are at. I think it all it's crazy how it all kind of coincides together and how everything came together all at once. I don't know that anybody could deny God having had an active role in the, in the sequencing of it all. I, uh, I was here for 18 months. I, I had willingness kind of had to build over that time. But I was exposed to people and tools and learning uh, a true relationship with God. It always had a, a, a foundation in it. But um, building that relationship outside of a childish, selfish type world 
and uh, it was hard here. I, I, you know, it's uh, it's not the same crowd as it is at church, <laughs> and uh, I didn't like that I fit in. I kind of hated that. Uh, and so it, it was incentivizing, and, and little by little, God gave me the willingness. The tools were always there. I always knew them. I'm an intellectual guy. I, I, I knew what people said worked to escape alcoholism and addiction. Um, and, and as that built, uh, I, one thing led to the other. I, I, I commenced here, but it wasn't when I was getting ready to move out, I for some reason had a, a thought to kind of hedge my bet a little bit. So I talked to Brandon Bowers at uh, his halfway house. He was just starting it kind of at the time. And uh, I went there for, I didn't know how long I'd go for. I didn't have a, a plan, but it ended up being three months, which was good for both of us. I, it, it was some self-protection. Um, I always used honesty from the time I got to the mission. I, I learned raw transparency was my self-protection. But uh, that was kind of a physical protection. I'm mm-hmm. in a sober house uh, where Christ is the center, and um, uh, my old living was heavily discouraged. And so then I, I, I left there after three months, and I went to this, this guy, Dan, downtown Fort Wayne. He had this house with... I don't know, 12 or 14 bedrooms. Wow. And at some points, the mission had talked to him about, like, kind of a transitional situation, but he was he was just a... He was a very good guy. He was a different guy, though. <laughs> and so it, it was him and his wife and his handicapped brother and this lady who's a writer who was really nice gal, been there a long time, and some... Uh, people from within the church, which is now my church, uh, from other countries. And But it, the rules were you had to go to church on Sunday, and you had to help with some chores there, and there was no drugs or alcohol. And I was kind of sold on that. Plus, my credit was about as bad as it could be. My my references weren't non-existent. So, I mean... You these... mean you didn't keep all that up to date? <laughs> I probably could have told people, I could have painted a pretty story, but it, no, it was, a, it, it, you know, that's why I say, God, it was just as things became available, I had the, the willingness, I guess, to listen to God putting these steps in, in order for me. I, I, didn't, I didn't roadmap this out, my life. It, it, uh, I just listened. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, to be fair, I was taking what was available at the time, but I was willing because every step felt better. And I was getting to places that didn't seem possible. Mm-hmm. And that sounds crazy that just living in a boarding house was a step I didn't see possible. But from a parking garage under a tarp, it, it really didn't seem possible back then. So I was at Dan's for, gosh, I was there over a year. But, um, uh, in that time period, I'd gone through LSSI works while I was here, and then I went through Blue Jacket. I, I just, uh, I'm good at classroom type stuff, and there was all these programs, so I shot my shot, and um, I ended up through one of those getting a good job at a place called a Quadrant, 
is a plastic extrusion place. And, um, it, it allowed me to support myself. wasn't yeah, you know, wasn't falling, but I could I, I could support myself in a way I hadn't for a long time. Um, and, and so things were were pretty good, but I was. I still didn't feel real made whole back then. That was mm-hmm. you know, seven and a half years, or, or I guess that was probably six years ago. But uh, sometime after I'd been at Dan's a couple months, I, I still came to the, the mission to do this little, we had a little choir. And uh, it was nothing I ever considered I would do in my life, but it was one of those things that Sam asked me to join, and God was like, are you scared? And I was like, dang it. <laughs> so I, I had been in this choir for a while, so I was coming back here for that. And uh, one day I, w- we would meet at the Karis house. And one day I was standing, I just got there, and I was, you know, gabbing in the lobby. And this this lady walks by, and I was like, "Who's the new staff person?" And uh, she was not staff. And so I made it very well known that was interested in her uh i'm not real shy about that kind of thing but i wasn't very optimistic either but you gotta shoot your shots in life and uh long story short over a couple of months um some people a guy i knew from the mission a gal she knew from there they, they found a way to make our paths cross and ashley asked for my number and i have not since that very first call even considered pursuing any other route other than my wife we uh that was a dream i had it was one of the goals i it was really the goal i set uh, for the for the future i wanted to be a husband i wanted to have a wife mm. i wanted to start a family to provide for it, it seems simple but it was Mm-hmm. almost seemed unattainable. I, I was broken. I was a, a broken, broken man who didn't see myself as any type of offering to any uh, woman that I could love. But uh, God lined that up real real good, and we, we got married uh, not even a year later, actually. We've been married four you years. You should probably remember that date, Dave. Hey, September 1st. There right? we go. Yeah. <laughs> We got married September 1st of 2019, just before the the world ended with the COVID. <laughs> with COVID. Oh, well, yeah. On that note of marriage, I think that's a topic we really haven't talked on at the podcast, but especially with residents, past residents, and kind of reintegrating into society. And kind of you had said it was one of your major goals when you were commencing here. Like, hey, I want to get a family. I want to. I want to have someone to be, you know, my better half, if you want to say in life, what's your marriage like? Marriage is already difficult enough. I can't imagine adding the elements that the two of you bring in as well. How do you two work together to support one another? I don't know if it would work out any other way. We, uh, she, you know, she has a, a, an alcohol history and, you know, came to the Karis house actually after I was already done at the mission, but we we knew right away, you know, we're in our 30s, um, and, and there was absolute chemistry. So we, we that's why you get married in less than a year. We, we both were on the same page, but 
I like to take in knowledge and learn things. And um, so I've paid attention and read things and, and um, absorbed information about, about ways to build. Uh, and a lot of the people, my mentors from here, Maury Brenneman, my caseworker when I was here, he married us. We still see him at least once a week. He's the executive pastor at Fellowship Missionary where we, that's our home church. And uh, so we we communicate with the same level of transparency that I have all the time. But we, it is our goal. We discuss frequently, almost daily, the things that we appreciate about each other, the things that we want to change. And it's almost never you or you, it's we. Um, and it is our our number one priority. It has to be, um, I've learned, that the mm-hmm. people that are the happiest after 20, mm-hmm. 30, 40, 50 years of marriage, it's because that was a conscious decision and an active decision they made. Yeah. And so we, everything's cyclical in life, but we don't ever let the the bounce downs get far and the bounce ups go higher. That's great. So a big thing that you always told me, because you were actually one of the first individuals when I started working at the mission that I had the uh, blessing to be able to learn your story and kind of get a create a video about you and other things on uh, for the mission. But uh, building a community around yourself, a support system was, you said, one of your main focuses while you were here and even afterwards. What would you say to to someone that maybe is trying to figure out how to do that or even uh, a family member of someone and how to help build that structure to really support them when they need it most? It it is a a stretch of comfort zone. We we fit in with people just like us. But if you want to change, you look to the people who are different in the ways you desire. If you want to be more Christly. You associate and listen to and find a mentor who's involved in the church. If you want to, just like if you want to get better at baseball, you you try to get in with baseball players. It's uh, I, I I had I was so lucky to have some of the people in my life and mentors that I met while I was here, but I also knew or kind of learned. I had to continue that and make that intentional and seek out the people who are living the way I want to live. And of course it feels, Ashley sometimes calls it like it feels like faking. I, I, I think it's, it, it's different than that. It's, um, it's just different. It doesn't feel natural because sometimes it's not. Or someone's, I'm a uh, level two and they're a level ten. It works out that that evens out, and then you realize you've become a level six. Uh, it it takes intentionality, and it takes discomfort. But every comfort I've found in life started with vulnerability and discomfort, and some of that's building relationships, some of that's um, making career decisions, or this or that. But and really, those relationships and mentors are, are instrumental in helping to create other opportunities. I have a, a great career that, uh, you know, in a, in a 
route you could have never planned out or anticipated <laughs> kind of grew through relationships with people. Yeah, that's awesome. So kind of on the same note of building a community around yourself and getting the support that, that you need. I know your, your eyes bothering you, isn't it? Yeah. You're, you're, you're good. Um, but like, what would, what would you say to, to people that think they know what the mission does or who, who the mission is kind of, what are some misconceptions or things that now that you've been out for gosh, how many years, four or five years you've been? Um, yeah. Uh, Close, like six. Yeah, you've you've just. I know you've done a lot in the community, you know, representing the mission, and also other org- great organizations here in town. But I'm sure you've heard a lot of people ask you a lot of questions. What's what's one of the misconceptions, or even a concept of a, con- a misconception that you're just always like, man, people just do not get it. I'd say the one uh, it comes to mind first is people. <laughs> I loved it. it there, there's so much. The biggest thing that irritates me that I hear is, is almost an entitlement. They, they, something about the food or about the rules or they make you go to church. No, they don't. They only have you do that if you'd like to come stay here. If you don't want to accept the conditions of something that's offered, then you go find something else offered. I, I, I kind of have a, an unempathetic uh, thought toward that. I, you know, if you... If you want to come here and stay here and have the resources and the opportunities and the nourishment and the the guidance that's here, I was pretty happy to accept. That's a lie. I wasn't happy to accept every (laughs) rule. But you You knew you had to. You got to give to get. You have to be willing. And and it's back to that word willingness. Um, And so I, I... I'd say that's probably the thing that always catches me on. They didn't make you do anything. Mm, mm-hmm. You didn't have to be there. Yeah. What's something maybe uh, in the community of people that aren't people that would come here, but maybe donors, volunteers, others that you hear that you're just like that. I, I don't think you fully get what the mission does. I think uh, like we talked about earlier, I think um, a lot of people that don't have a lot of experience with alcoholism and addiction, um, find it to be more of a choice problem. And this is like a get off the streets college or a get off drugs college. Mm-hmm. And you go and then you're done. And um, th- then, you know, everything, you, you graduated. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was here, we didn't, they, they they still don't use the word graduate. It's we commence. Don't. Yep, yep. Um, you're just commencing on to the night. I mean, it, it, addiction is a disease that is going to affect you forever. It, it's a thinking problem. And so I think that's probably a general misconception with just due to people not understanding or, or not having intimate experience with addiction is that it's a, a one and done. Uh-huh. What do you got, Jay? You haven't said much. Yeah. When you look back and think, you talked about Maury, and I had the pleasure of knowing him. He was one of the people that interviewed me when I came on here. When you when you look back at the people that made a big impact on your journey, what was it about them that made a big impact on you? I think the people that had the biggest impact, it was because of their heart. Hmm. 
And I don't think it was a heart made by them. I think it was people that had Christ in their heart. Hmm. I think it was people, I really feel like Christ fills that Christ-sized hole in our heart that we try to fill with everything else. And I think I learned that here. Um, it, it was people who had a heart of service, maybe not of guidance, of helping, mm-hmm. and were willing to. I could ramble, and I, I was a troublemaker too. I they call me loophole Lalo. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I I, about I'm that. not a saint, and it was people who who saw me, and gave me more credit than I gave me, and. Over the years, I'm shaping myself more and more into and seeing the me that I think other people saw before I did. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, that's uh, Jesus in every step of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, no, that's, that's what is. So go ahead. No, you got it. What is what is Dave in ten years doing? Mm-hmm. If you could talk to Dave in ten years. So, uh, our ten year goal. Um, we like to set five and 10 year goals. Um, we want to build a house. That's actually, that's closer to the, the five year goal, but we both had terrible credit and we, um, we rent. Fortunately, a, a cousin of mine owns a property management company. So we've two married felons with bad credit and bankruptcies. <laughs> and you guys, a, a bank's dream, right? <laughs> and a five year old pit bull. <laughs> we uh, have been very lucky and had a few, houses and, and now we live in a great hundred year old huge nice house I, I didn't understand as much about how a bigger older house the the uh, electricity and gas seem to be a lot more but we, we've been very <laughs> fortunate there and we both have great jobs um, I didn't mention I, I run heavy equipment for a concrete company um, non-union that's uh for now thing I, I have an offer from the union that has been standing and I'll probably end up there <laughs> when God decides. But, uh, yeah, we want to, we, we have nice ve- We have good vehicles, but the tenure will have uh, a good handle on our retirement. Mm. We both contribute. I do pretty aggressively to my 401k. Um, and uh, uh, build a house with a little bit of land, two acres maybe, and, uh, you know, uh, security. Mm. She keeps taking little lateral or vertical promotions at work, so um, that's great, but she'll settle into a niche. And, um, you know, I look forward to having almost the appearance that we never went through what we went through and not for that, that deception, but for that accomplishment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, that's, that's actually something that we were talking about yesterday and uh, a meeting, how uh, impactful it is when you can have a group of people sitting around and then we're like, Hey, let us know if, you know, raise your hand if you were a past, you know, resident Mm -hmm. or or someone that has uh, utilized resources at the rescue mission and, having people look around and be shocked by the people that raise their hand is kind of the reason we do what we do here. 
Sure. It's it's not to get the credit for it. It's to allow people to be who Christ wanted them to be. Mm-hmm. And the impact that can have on others to realize, wow, someone that I have a lot of respect for now actually, which I never even knew they struggled like this 20, 30 years ago, they're a completely different person now. And exactly like you said, like to be able to be the person you are to where people would never even know the things you went through. Not that they didn't happen and not that you're not willing to speak of them, but that that's not what people equate to you. I think you probably would agree that you spent a lot of your life being that guy and to be a different guy. A lot of times it's changing people's perceptions and nothing you can do. It's their perception of you, but you've done everything you can to say, that's not who I am anymore. And this is the direction we're going. Is yeah. That fair? Yeah. I think that's uh, the word recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. W- w- to, to become, again, like you said, the, the person Christ built you to be, um, we already get that, and and you know we're really involved at a church fellowship missionary. We're we're uh, in a, a program there called the Planting that meets weekly, and then we have smaller groups. And we it's an active group, mm-hmm. and um, I'm an usher, so so we're uh, exposed to a lot of people there. We already get the um, the I would have never guessed that, <laughs> and, and but to continue down that road. Like, like I said, to be clear, it's not for any deceptive nature. It's just to to grow and mm-hmm. the the every step of that way, we have more to offer, um, and and we both actively try to. We're we're really involved with AA as well, and it it's a privilege to be able to help other people. It's not a. It, it it's kind of I mean it's. In the steps, uh, stop. <laughs> it, you 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 keep what you have by giving it away, and the 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 more successful we become in a worldly way, the more we can offer in a kingdomly way. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in, I'm encouraged because I'm reminded that in the midst of all of our stories, there's there's always a part where we didn't know how much farther we could go, but it's by the grace of God, it's by His restoration, it's it's through His grace that he restores us, that he grants us the gift of recovery to get us through those difficult seasons. So maybe somebody's listening to this and they didn't have the same upbringing or the same situation you went through, but they probably went through challenging times. They probably went through difficult times. So my, my hope is that this episode will serve as an encouragement that, that God is good. God is generous in his grace and that you never know when God will show up in your life and radically transform it. Dave, thanks for coming on the podcast today. Yeah. It was a pleasure. Hey, thanks, thanks for having me. This-